a great line, I know a man who can. When you start thinking about faith, I'm going to give you a little precursor. That's kind of what it's really actually all about. Um, you know, we, we saw an answer to prayer this morning in the fact that we really have, Jeff. You, we've been praying for you earnestly for a long time. Um, the growth and the changes in you, the courage to get up and point us all to Christ this morning. Um, and brother, you got a whole row of guys here who know your story because they've lived your story. Um, so you are, um, you are not alone. God is raising up an army from those that the enemy wanted to use. Um, and I, I, I get excited. I, I sat this week at a retreat and, um, I was sitting there with uh, about 14 pastors and, uh, and ministry leaders from all, all different types of churches and whatnot. Most of them, though, were bigger churches. I mean, I wanted to tell them about our, our air conditioning unit, what God did with that, you know, how we got that last check for like $6,000 and it was the end. But they started talking. And they said, well, this church member stroked a check for a million dollars. So this one got jealous and stroked a check for a million dollars. And and uh, this guy, I, I asked him for a million, but I, I, I should have asked for five because the hospital asked him for 25, and he gave that. And I'm going, well, I guess I'll tell that story later. <laughs> but I will say this. I talked about y'all a lot. And I will stack up what God has done in our hearts and our congregation and our flock with anybody. And I'm just going to tell you, It doesn't matter how big or how small the church is. It's the same God. And it's the same enemy. So we can get caught up in our pride just as easy as the big guys. And God can use them for great miracles and change lives just as he can us. You've got to remember that. We're all on the same side with the same enemy. And these brothers did a lot of that for me. It was, uh, it was a good time. So let me ask you guys a question. We, we've seen an answer to prayer this morning, but uh, have you ever found yourself praying for a loved one? And they still died? Or praying for someone for decades to be saved, and then there's no answer? You know, there's uh, John Piper has a little thing where he takes questions from guys and he answers them on a podcast. And one of those, he was, he had a guy say, my dad passed away and I'd been praying for him. And he said, did he die because I didn't have enough faith? Interestingly, John Piper said, I don't know. I want you to hold that for a second. I don't know because... And we're going to kind of filter through that. We're going to say, we're going to work through that a little bit because could it be that he didn't have enough faith and that's why his father died? I think John Piper's answer is wise, but only if you know why. And we're going to cover that. How about this? Have you ever prayed for shelter and food and transportation 
for your life circumstances to change and they don't? Is it a lack of faith on your part? Was it a lack of faith on the person you prayed for? Is God to blame? These are all questions that we all ask all the time. You know, I I was visiting with somebody recently who has the gift of healing, and he said that, you know, if someone doesn't get healed, you know what the problem is, is they don't have enough faith. I love the brother, but he's wrong. And I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. It's not always the case. This, when you start chasing down this idea, though, of faith and what God will do and not do, how he'll answer prayers and not answer prayers, you can find yourself in a circular argument really fast because there's a lot of Scripture about it, and you can go round and round and round. It's like one thing leads to another, and it seems like there may be contradictions and going in, in different directions, but God is not the author of confusion. And so over the next couple of weeks, that's what we're going to do, is we're going to explore this, this thing called faith. We're going to look at having faith and having no faith. We're going to look at what it means to have a weaker faith and a stronger faith. Whether... The difference between those as believers who have faith and those who have the spiritual gift of faith and what that looks like and why. Uh, And I'm going to try to unravel this circle for you so that you can understand what faith really is, so so you know how to walk through life and pray and and be able to look at the way God answers and, and understand whether you have faith or not. Because honestly... I don't know about you guys, but there have been times I've wondered, was, was it my lack of faith? Was it their lack of faith that caused God not to answer? I've done that in my own life. And so let's talk at first, let's do this. Let's talk about the difference between having no faith and having faith and how that affects how God works. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Luke 17, picking up in verse 5. Now in Luke 17, 5, it says, The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now let's, let's go back. I think it's important to set the stage here, what, what Jesus has been talking about. He just told them that it would be better that a millstone be tied around your neck and you'd be thrown into the ocean if you, te- if you laid out a temptation that caused one of these little ones, one of these young believers, to stumble. And then he followed that up with, and hey, if your brother sins against you, you have, you have to forgive him. Seven times 70. And, and so in response to this idea of not tempting someone and, and having to forgive someone endlessly, you know what their answer was? Increase our faith. (laughs) You guys ever feel that way? Anybody ever get to you so hard that you're looking and go, oh, Lord, please give me more faith? Well, you're in good company. So did the disciples. They realized, how in the world could we forgive like this? Lord, we need more faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry bush, 
be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Matthew says you could tell this mountain to get up and be and, and go to the sea and it would go. Now, I don't know for sure, but I have not seen anywhere in, in, in Scripture and I've not read any church history where a bush got up and got planted in the sea or a mountain went that way. So I think the key word here is could. You could, but it's never been done. What Jesus is using here is called hyperbole. He's giving you a ridiculous statement to show you a truth. And it's important for you to understand that because when he says the grain of a mustard seed, oftentimes we say if you just had more, seed, more faith, you, you have less faith than the grain of a mustard seed. And what he's actually saying is if you had any faith at all, this is the smallest of seeds that, the, that they had in Israel. This is what they'd have said. This is the smallest seed there is. And Jesus is saying if you have any faith, any faith, you could cause something ridiculous to happen if it was God's will. So it's not about how great your faith is. It's do you have any faith or do you not have any faith? That's what this is talking about. And I know, I know, I know that every one of you has heard someone say, if you just had a little more faith, you'd have the faith of a mustard seed, you could do this. Am I right? And that's not at all what Jesus is saying. Do you have any faith? And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have faith. Because you couldn't be a follower of Jesus Christ without it. And so it's important for us to realize that, that here, it's not you. You know, ultimately, it's not you. It's the one you have faith in. You know, I, I, I know if you're in Minnesota and you're going ice fishing, you can have all the faith in the world that you can walk out safely on that ice in April and you're going to get wet. By the same token, in February, you can walk out on that ice and you, and you can doubt it for, all, for a, a, as much as you want. You'll be cold, but you'll be dry. It's not about our faith. It's about what our faith is in. Is what you have faith in something that is true? Is it worthy of faith? Is it trustworthy? That's much more important than how much faith you have. A small amount of faith in a great God will top a great amount of faith in a false idol every time. Any faith in a great God is enough to cause a bush to get up and walk into the ocean. Think about that. So that means if you have any faith, God can use you. He can prompt you to go talk to a guy and give him some food outside of a convenience store and turn it into a salvation story. If you have any faith whatsoever, any faith whatsoever, 
God can do great and amazing things. Hold on to that. But what exactly is faith? Turn, if you will, in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Over in Hebrews chapter 11, this is, this is called, in, when, it's called the, the, the great chapter of faith. It's the heroes of the faith. And it, and it walks through all the people that followed God, especially from the Old Testament, by faith. It begins in verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Faith, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Has anyone here seen the risen Savior? And yet, here you are. Has anyone here experienced the second coming? And yet here you are. Has anyone here experienced sitting on a throne in eternity with God? And yet here you are. Faith is the fact that you know that those things are real, that they're going to happen, that God is going to be faithful, even though you don't see it. Let's look at some of these heroes, for instance. You know, and, and you know, I love this last part. We believe that God made the world. Now, what I love getting into it for those that don't don't know my background is kind of in science and engineering and the uh I love getting into arguments and discussions with people about the universe and how things go and and all that but I think actually the 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 person that taught me the best way to argue these things is Michael because when he was 3 he had this thing you you'd explain something to him and he'd go why and then you'd explain that, and he'd go, why? And you'd explain that, and he'd go, why? And this would continue until you hit him over the head and he fell asleep. <laughs> and he came, probably came by it on us. He probably, it, it is probably genetic. But think about this. No matter what theory you believe about the creation of the universe, you can always ask this question. Well, where did that come from? It, well, it was the Big Bang. We'll use that one. It's out, of, it's, out of, it's out of favor today, but it's still it's the one most people know. The Big Bang, okay? So all this stuff gathered together, and, and it coalesced into something, and it exploded, and it started making the universe. Well, where did that stuff come from? I don't know. <laughs> okay? And, they, and if somebody can explain that, you can go, well, well where did that come from? Eventually, you have to get back to the fact that the only way that the universe could be created is that something from the outside had to do something on the inside. Something had to come from nothing at some point in time. It's inescapable. 
Something had to come from nothing at some point in time, period. People in the Old Testament believed it. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. That's Cain and Abel, the the first children of Adam and Eve. Cain brought the first fruits of the flock and offered them up. While his brother Abel brought some of his leftovers from the field and offered them up. And God accepted the first fruits because Cain said, I have faith in God. I'm going to give him my first because I know he'll provide the rest. Abel held on and said, I'll provide for myself and I'll give God what I have left over. Abel's sacrifice was about Abel. Cain's was about God. There's a key point in that. Our faith is about God, not about us. So the whole concept that if I grind it harder, I think harder, I, I believe harder that God is going, that it's going to change things, moves the focus off of God and moves it on to us. It's my faith that saves. It's my faith that causes answered prayers. To quote, a, uh, to quote, to quote I think, it, Nacho Libre, it's nacho cheese. It's nacho faith. It's his faith that he gives to you. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he, uh, he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The ultimate of this is Abraham, in my opinion. Because Abraham followed God's commands to leave his home and go to a place he'd never been. And he sat for year after year after year waiting on a son. When God promised him that he would be the father of many nations. And he didn't have any children. And eventually, long story short, when Scripture says he was as good as dead, when his wife's womb was dried up, they were given a son, Isaac. And God very clearly said it was through Isaac that the promise of him being a father of many nations would be fulfilled. And then God did this thing and told him, take your son up to the mountaintop and sacrifice him. Hebrews tells us that he believed that God would raise him from the dead. He, so, he was so sure of God's promise that he was obedient. Now, the, you know, we all know the story ends by God stopping him, and as he raises the knife, God says, stop, and he provides another sacrifice. A painting of Jesus Christ. On the way up the mountain, Isaac says, Isaac's a smart dude. He's actually, he's a teenager probably about this point. He did not, and his father was as good as dead. He probably could have gotten off that, that altar if he'd have chosen to. He also was obedient. And as they're walking up, though, he recognized. He goes, hey, hey, Dad, I see the knife. I've got, I'm carrying the sticks. You've got the torch. There's only one thing I think we forgot that we may need to go back. Where's the sacrifice? Abraham's words were so prophetic. God will provide the sacrifice. 
It, that day it was a ram whose horns were cut, caught in the bush. Ultimately, for you and I, for our sins, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. God provided the sacrifice. And if you don't believe that, then you cannot have faith, and you do not have faith, you cannot please God. If you do not believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and raised again and is, is in heaven today, there is no sense in you trying to please God because you cannot. Turn, with, if you will, to 1 John five thirteen through 15. This is one of those verses that causes a little bit of the confusion that we deal with. It says, I write these things to you who who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, so first off, John's writing to say, hey, I'm writing you these things that you know the promise of God, that you will live forever, that you will have eternal life through Jesus Christ is true. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. This is, this is what we believe we walk confidently in, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the, the request that we have asked for him. In his will is a key point here. You You have faith that you have eternal life. You trust him. Therefore, you ask, but you ask according to his will. So if you're in the woods, living living out there, cold and wet and hungry, and you say, Lord, give me food and shelter. And instead, God lets you stay cold, wet, and hungry. But one day it leads you to recovery. And one day it leads you to a roof over your head and a job and providing Did God answer your prayer? He absolutely did. You don't think so at first. You just don't realize what you're praying and what he's answering. God hears our prayers and grants them. They just, the answer doesn't always look like we think it should look. You know, for you guys with tattoos, I admire your courage. Because I always think about what I would have gotten as a tattoo when I was uh, your age. And I'm like, wow, would I have been ashamed, <laughs> embarrassed. You know, so a lot of, and when I was your age, a lot of guys got tattoos of all sorts of different things. You know, I could have gotten Tattoos of cartoon characters that, you know what? Nobody today even remembers who they are. (laughs) Then there were all the guys who got tattoos of mermaids and stuff like that. Nothing like standing in a pulpit with a bare-breasted woman on your arm, right? Can you see how all that could have gone wrong? My desires and what I would want can be foolishness. 
but God knows what I'm really asking. You know what he was really, you know, when you're out there and you're, you're, you're pleading, what you're really asking is that God would provide long-term for you. And sometimes long-term provision means short-term suffering. Anybody here stubborn like that, that the only way you're going to change is if God takes you through something besides me? Yeah. We ask according to his will. Now, how do we know his will? From the word. 99%, 99 99.99% of God's will for you, day in, day out, comes from right here. So here's the thing. If you're not reading it, if you're not in it, if you're not listening to it, if you're not studying it, Your faith has no basis. There's, there's nothing for you. You're actually showing that you don't have faith because faith in God's word, this is his letter to you. This is your father. He said, hey, here, I want to protect you. I want to love you. I want to show you how to love others. I want you to learn how to be one together. I want you to be at my family. And we want to walk through and wait for God to give, hit us in the head with a two-by-four and go, look, I have a revelation. I, I much prefer my revelations come from reading a book. If you're not in God's Word, if you're not reading God's Word, and, you, and you're trying to act on faith, I can't tell you what a fruitless exercise it is. Faith apart from God's word in obedience is like walking out on thin ice. By the way, the enemy has the ability to speak to you too. Do you know that? The enemy has a voice, and he can speak to you. He can, he can put people into your lives that you're going to think are your friends. I know of pastors that have dealt with people that said they've had people approach them in, in their office saying, I'm from the satanic co- local satanic covenant, and I'm here to observe you, and we'd like to make you an offer. You don't think the enemy puts people in our midst to cause hate and discontent and, and to lead you astray? He does. Do you think the enemy doesn't put people in your life to pull you and prod you and bring you away? He does. But you know how you protect yourself? Through the sword of the Spirit. You cling to this, and you know God's will. You do this, and you know God's will. And oh, by the way, when you're obedient, you know what that is? Your trust. That's you trusting. That's you walking up the mountain with your son saying, no, God promised, and I believe he's going to bring him back to life. That's what faith is. The faith that the Old Testament saints had was in God's promises in his word spoken to them they so believed the promise that it caused them to act accordingly if abraham did not believe that isaac 
would be the answer to to his prayers, that Isaac would be the answer to what God had promised because God said so, do you think he'd have had the courage to take his only son up that mountain? Not even close. Here's the question, though. Is it possible that God does great things even when somebody has no faith? Is it possible? Right? Is that guy who says that this person wasn't healed because they had no faith, is he right or is he wrong? I'm going to tell you he's wrong, and I'm going to show you. Over in Luke 7, there's a story of, of a woman whose son, it's the widow of Nain is the story. Her son has, and I'm going to go, I'm, the, the verse will be up here on the screen. I'm just going to talk through it. It's okay, you can read it, write it down, but I, just for time's sake, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to talk about it. So her son has died. She's walking out, and there's a funeral pr- procession. And Jesus and the disciples come upon this at that time, and he sees, and he has compassion on her. She doesn't even know he's there. She doesn't know who he is. She doesn't ask. There is no faith involved. He walks up and he touches her son and he raises him from the dead and he says, and returns him to his mother. Did she have enough faith? She had no faith as far as we can tell. It was God's compassion. It was his sovereignty. God is sovereign and if he wasn't good that would be terrifying but he is good and we trust in that and we rest in that and even people who have no faith receive his mercy think about find my place here i apologize So think about the uh, man born blind. Over in John 9, the man born blind. The disciples come up and they look at him and he said, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus looks at him and says, interesting question, neither. He was like this for this moment right here, for the glory of God. God does miracles for his purpose, for his glory, not for ours. So Jesus walks up to the man and he puts spittle on his, in the mud and he makes the mud and he rubs it on his eyes and he says, go, go wash in the, in, the, in the pool of Siloam. The man does it, his, his sight is restored, and he's been blind since birth. And everybody's looking, hey, wait, isn't that the guy that was blind from birth and has been begging in early thing is, it was the Sabbath. So they grab his parents and say, is that your son? They said, yeah. What? You know, he was healed on the Sabbath. And they said, well, you know, he's of age. Why don't you ask him? Because what they were going to do is they were going to put him, if he professed faith in Jesus Christ, they were going to put him out of the synagogue. So they called him in and they asked him, he said, and they asked him, who is he? He said, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. Is it, is, it, is it just Jesus? I, I guess. Is he a prophet? I don't know, but he, he healed me. It was a Sabbath. He shouldn't have done that. So, he said, well, okay, but are you guys saying you want to be his disciples too? They got mad. They kicked him out of the synagogue. So here he is. Now, I want you to understand this. 
part of the thing that kept you from going into the temple to worship would be blindness, any disfigurement. Now he's just healed. Now he could, for the first time, think about going to Jerusalem and going into the temple at Passover and worshiping for the first time in his life. And they kick him out of the synagogue. Isn't that just like religious people? You're not dressed right. You're not wearing the right clothes. Your habits aren't right. You you, you haven't quit smoking yet. All of these things people have used in my lifetime for keeping people out of the place of worship. Jesus finds them, though. And he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Okay, I want you to get this. That's where his faith was. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he? And yet God healed him. Did he have any faith? He didn't even know who Jesus was, much less have faith in him. God's not constrained by your faith or lack of. He will do what he does for his glory and for his purposes. He's sovereign. Even Paul. You know, he's in Ephesus, and there's this girl who keeps following them around. And she's possessed by a demon, and she can fortune tell. She's followed by this demon and keeps yelling after him over and over. You know, these men serve the the most high and, and holy God and every day. And finally, Paul just gets tired of it. No great, I mean, think about this. This miracle happens because Paul is annoyed. Do you see how little it depends on us? He has no concern for this girl. At least, I mean, I'm sure he does because he, lo- he loves people, but he's not sitting here going, let me deliver this girl. He's like, would she please shut up? Get out. And the demon leaves. She's delivered. God is sovereign. And he is good. And it doesn't depend on our faith or the person that we're praying for as to what the results are going to be. Paul himself. He sees a vision of heaven. And after that, God gives him a thorn in the flesh. And he prays three times that God would remove it, and God refuses. Now, does Paul not have faith? Are we saying that Paul doesn't have faith because God didn't answer his prayers? No. Paul had great faith. Paul, this is the same Paul whom people would just touch his handkerchief and they would be healed. Okay? But Paul himself couldn't be healed because God had another purpose for that. God's answer to him was, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And from that came humility. Here's the thing. There are people we think have great 
faith. Because things happen. Because they can because they, they're living a certain way, because when they, they pray, they get prophecies and, and healings and things like that. But let's, let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And cast out demons in your name. And do many mighty works in your name. And then he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Just because someone claims miracles are happening in his name doesn't mean that they are people of faith. Read this very carefully. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Our faith isn't in miracles. Our faith is in God. And if you don't read this and do what it says, you cannot claim to have faith. Because you don't trust God. You know, it was interesting. Um, we had a, a young couple that were uh, dating, and they fell asleep on the couch and woke up late in the night and then um, just chose to stay there. They, they didn't do anything, but they chose to stay there, and they, they came for premarital counseling, and they, they shared the story, and I said, did you have sex? They're like, no. I said, prove it. You can say everything you want to, but Jesus is looking at you going, do you trust me? Prove it. Remember the passage we talked about, how do you you prove that you trust God, that you have faith? Well, when your brother sins against you 490 times in the same day for the same thing, you forgive him. That's trusting God. Do you think it's because he deserves it? Nope. Do you think it's because you have that kind of patience? Nope. The only way you do that is because you say, you know what, Jesus, you said to do this, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to do it. That's faith. Works done apart from faith They're self-determining. When you do works, and you point and you say, I, 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 look at at some of the faith healers you see on TV. Count how many times they say, I, I will pray for you. I will do this, and something will happen in your life. I, I, I. Works done apart from faith are self-exalting. They're self-glorifying. You determine when and where they're done. Works done in faith create a satisfaction of seeing God's 
work in progress. You enjoy God's glory. It's about being there and experiencing what is happening with God. John Piper says it this way, Faith is looking in the mirror, and instead of seeing your reflection, you see more and more of Christ. Faith is seeing more and more of Christ in your life. When you pray for someone for healing, are you saying, I'm going to pray and you're going to be healed? Many do. Or are you saying, let's see what God's going to do? Let me ask you this. Let me ask a favor of you. I think of Matt's grandma. When I'm, when I, if, if God keeps me on this earth till I'm in my 90s and you pray for healing, would you please let God determine what that healing looks like? Because you know what? It might be my healing is going home to him. You know, my friend with ALS, when he, when he died, you know what happened? He immediately ascended to heaven. He was healed. That healing we've been praying for, it happened. But it happened his way. And then there are others. Johnny, Johnny Erickson Tata at 17 hits a diving board in a diving accident and is paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of her life. Do you not think that people prayed for her healing? But you know how many people have come to the Lord? How many people have been encouraged and lifted up through that life? So much more, so much more than ever would have been touched if she had been a gold medal di diver. You let God handle the answer. You let God handle the healing. You let God do it His way, in His time, in His way. Your job is to trust. And just a teeny, tiny, little bit of trust in a great God will do far more than you could possibly imagine. As a matter of fact, so much that you might even call it ridiculous. And remember this, you can't will it into being. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. We'll see later on next week that God himself determines not just whether you have faith or not. It's a gift he gives. But also, if you have faith in greater measures, it's not you. It's him. And it's for his purposes and his glory not yours. And remember what this means. Faith is seeing and trusting God and His promises as true and trustworthy. Not about results. You ought to have enough sense of yourself to realize the things you're praying for, if you got them just the way you wanted to, it often would not turn out the way you had hoped. Have enough sense to know that praying for something that you are limited in your knowledge and your understanding and, you, and pray that God would have his way because if you had your will every single time, 
your life would be a complete and utter disaster. Remember that works done in faith are for the enjoyment of and the glory of God. When you pray and you lay your hands on someone and you pray for their healing, don't do it with an expectancy that they're going to be healed. Do it with an expectancy that God is going to get glory. And however it's answered, you see God's hand and you, and you rejoice and you enjoy God in the process. That's faith. That's faith. If you start doing this in works, in your own flesh, by your own desire, the easiest way I can tell you that you can spot it is listen, listen to a recording of yourself and see how many times you say, I. How many times do you point to God? Because that's you. You're looking in the mirror. And you're saying, I see me. And then every once in a while it will flash up and you'll see God. But if you're, wa- if you're walking in faith, what you see is all you see is, all you see is Christ. It's all you see. And you rejoice in that. Because let me ask you, are you trustworthy? 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 I'm not. I'm not. I appreciate when you guys are grateful for Matt and I. Please do not get us confused with one who's truly trustworthy, the Lord Jesus Christ. I will will fail you. I will offend you. I will stumble. I will disappoint you. Don't ever, ever, ever let that affect the way you see Jesus Christ. And I promise not to do the same for you. I promise that your, your shortcomings will not stop me looking with faith at my faithful Jesus Christ. And because of that, we will come across verses like Galatians 6.1 who says, if you're caught in sin, that we're to gently restore you. That's what trustworthy looks like. Let's pray. Father, it's been a good day. I pray that Matt's day has been great as well. I pray, Lord, that... Uh, that lives have been changed, that uh, the trajectory of Capstone is just a little more to you today, uh, that they're a little closer to you. Lord, I pray that, that this week that we would enjoy faith. Lord, that we would enjoy walking in your word, that we would be hungry for what you have for us because we trust you, that you're good, that your sovereign will is given to us primarily through the scripture, and that we would be hungry to follow it. Lord, I just pray that our faith would increase this week, Lord. Not the, not the quantity, Lord, but the quality. That we would see you more clearly in that mirror. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.